Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 255. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here this week to review and discuss Zombies 3. This is going to wrap up our Zombies conversation as a franchise. And I don't care if I'm 37 years old. And it may not be age appropriate. I loved the first Zombies film. I liked the second Zombies film. I thought it was pretty good. Didn't love it as much as the first. However, I could see the trend where this was becoming my favorite DCOM franchise, and I have a lot of hope in the third film. I'm giddily excited to sit and talk about this film and this franchise as a whole. Come at me, I don't care. <laughs> I'm giddily excited to exercise the demon that is Exceptional Zed being stuck in my head. I'm hoping that's what this conversation does. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much of our conversation, but I have had Exceptional Zed on loop on Spotify in my car on the way to work, on the way home from work, every single day this week. I'll admit, even I listened to it while you were at work yesterday. <laughs> so we have Exceptional Zed. We have at least one ex uh, exceptional song. Was this an exceptional film? Was this an uh, exceptional franchise as a whole? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 20% discount using the code MONOREAL at checkout. Visit FierceFoxCo.com to check out all of the collections. It is senior year for our gang in Seabrook. Addison has been accepted to Mountain College and... Zed hopes to be the first monster to get into college by winning the state football championship. Mountain College recruiters come to watch Zed. However, an alien invasion crashes the party and causes chaos. The aliens find a beacon under the road telling them to find the coordinates to Utopia. They are hoping to find the most precious thing in Seabrook because they are told that that is where the coordinates are hiding. To gain the trust of the citizens of Seabrook, they claim to have arrived for the national cheer-off to compete for the Seabrook Cup. With the hope of a football scholarship gone after the chaos that was the alien invasion, Zed attempts to impress the academic recruiters to get the exceptional student scholarship. The werewolves don't trust the aliens as they attend Seabrook High, however, Addison does trust them. Eliza, interning at a big tech company, arrives virtually at school as a robot and sees that Zed is slipping in class rankings as the alien superintelligence has ranked them further ahead of him, and it therefore hurts his chances at attending Mountain College. When Zed asks the aliens to leave, they tell him that their home was destroyed. He offers to help them, and they show their tech has performed brain scans. We see that they have this little technology that, that performs all of this. Um, he sees the Moonstone 
this is Zed, and tells them that, to his knowledge, this is the most precious thing in Seabrook. So as a reward, they help improve his application for Mountain College. Aspen, one of the aliens, tells Addison that she loves Zed and does not understand the concept of hands-off, because Zed, as we all know, is Addison's boyfriend. The aliens find the Moonstone, however, they learn that this is not the means to the coordinates. The werewolves arrive to find the force field around the Moonstone is gone and declare that the aliens are no longer welcome in Seabrook. When the mothership beams the aliens back to protect them from the werewolves, Addison gets beamed as well and sees that Zed is there as Aspen has invited him onto the ship. The aliens come clean to them that they are not here for cheer and strictly to find their coordinates for Utopia. The mothership plays the scout's log, and Addison sees that the scout was her grandmother who created the Seabrook Cup, meaning that she is part alien. That would also explain why she was beamed up when the other aliens were brought onto the ship. Addison initially struggles using her alien powers, meaning that she is not truly one of them. The aliens, believing the Seabrook Cup holds the coordinates, become fixated on winning the trophy. The next day, Zed has a rocky interview with his college recruiter, but is promised to be considered after still making a good impression. At the cheer-off, Zed learns that he has been accepted to Mountain College. Meanwhile, Bucky and the Wolves find the alien mind probe, the mind scanner, and with Eliza's help, they hack into it, where Eliza learns of Wyatt's crush on her. They also confirm the alien's mission and call the Z Patrol to apprehend them. Zed sees the Z Patrol and tells the aliens to run. The aliens are disqualified from the competition, and Addison sees that uh, she has now harnessed her powers, so she becomes determined to win the trophy and get the cup to the alien. Seabrook wins, but Addison is branded as a traitor when she gives the cup to the alien team, as they hope that that is where the coordinates are hidden. After a conflict with Addison, her mother exposes the truth of their alien heritage, a surprise to all, including Addison's father and her husband. Uh, we learn that Addison is the most precious thing and that the coordinates and the map were hidden in her by her grandmother. Unfortunately, Addison being the map means that she must leave with the aliens and cannot attend college with Zed, and that puts a real threat to their relationship. It appears that they cannot be together forever if she needs to go to outer space. Using the power from the Moonstone, they help jumpstart their journey as we all say goodbye to Addison. As the seniors of Seabrook High prepare for graduation, the aliens see the progress that Seabrook has made through conflict, unlike their planet, which died due to a lack of conflict and a lack of new ideas. They learn that Utopia is in fact on Earth and that Seabrook is the place to be. They all arrive back in time for graduation and plant roots in Seabrook, reuniting Addison and Zed. Okay. The first thing that stands out to me, and it's one of the first DCOMs to successfully do this in a sequel, we have an actual continuation of a story. This is a seamless continuation of where we left off at the end of Zombies 2. It's a solid open because they keep the consistency of the animation. Um, this time, what I liked better than Zombies 2 is that 
they did the reset, but it didn't feel like as much of an, oh, by the way, something else happened. So right. I like that they're they're setting up what we need to know. They establish that the aliens are here, but they don't backtrack so far and, and give away that there is, in fact, more history besides the werewolves. What I also really appreciate the way that they do these recaps, you can come in at any point in this franchise and know exactly what's going on. That is something that no DCOM has been able to do. For as convoluted as the, as the stories get sometimes, because they're trying to like shoehorn things in that, that never happened or were never addressed, um, I feel like this is the most seamless. And because they're catching you up so quickly, you could come in at this point without having seen either of the first two, and you're going to know exactly what you need to know. Yeah, because if you think about DCOM franchises, uh, Teen Beach 2 is a flawless continuation of Teen Beach 1. I just can't stand how the movie ends. High School Musical is a mess. None of the sequels are a clear continuation of where we left any of these characters off at the end of the film that preceded it which is maddening because the storylines are so simple and the characters are so underdeveloped you should be able to just come in at any point and pick it up halloween town you know gwen and her mother they kiss and make up they're fighting again every time we go back to halloween town and we're we're in the town square it never looks the same it's always a different set so that is completely frustrating but even with zombies too Bucky and the Aces fell victim to Sharpay and Ryan in High School Musical 2, where we all leave them in a good spot at the end of the first film. We're all accepting going to a block party, and now all of a sudden that's all erased. At least in this film, Bucky is what he is. He's not going to be accepting of them, and that's all well and good, but this at least feels like a natural progress of the story. We see the meteor at the end of the second film, they pick up on that here, saying that meteor showers have become more normal. They they attribute it to, to the moonstone and harnessing the power of the moonstone, and they don't they think nothing of it. So, like, they do a really good job of picking up from that point. And now we're into senior year. They're thinking about college. We've been with these characters for a few years now. Like, in terms of timeline, all of this adds up. Yeah, I think because of the popularity of this franchise, they were paying a lot closer attention to detail in this one. Not that they didn't in Zombies 2, because even I had given it credit for that. Like, other than Bucky's storyline, like, it really was a natural progression. And this feels even more so like the natural continuation. But um, what I appreciated most about the attention to detail is when... We see Addison for the first time. The opening cheer that she's doing was her audition. Yes. In the first one when um, their test was to rally the crowd. Yes. So now it's like a full-blown cheer. And I was like, wow. Even, you know, for like the casual fan to be able to pick up on that, I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. There are a few cringy moments in the open, admittedly. Um I understand that they're 17 years old. When you're 17, you don't know any better. To them, if they do not go to the same college, they can't be together forever. It's a little cringy. Because they wrote to the cliche, right? Usually when you have this quote-unquote perfect high school couple trope, right? 
they're so blinded by their love for each other. They think that no college or, or no distance is going to be able to tear them apart. And then by the end of their senior year, they realize that maybe they're not going to be able to weather this storm and they break up. So here, because they've built that into the stakes, it just feels like they are completely writing to the cliche of it all where it's like, and I mean, see, this is, it, it tracks with Zed the entire time because everything is always on his shoulders. It's not just what he needs to accomplish personally to be with Addison. The fate of the free zombie world is leaning on him. And to me, this is where the story collapses, not just for the cringe factor, but he's trying to be the first monster to get into college. And you've got Eliza, who's got an internship. Now, I realize this was their band-aid over the bullet hole because the actress was pregnant so obviously they're not going to have they're not going to show that right being that she's in high school however it doesn't make any sense that she's already gotten an internship and we don't know where we don't know if it's in the real world I don't think we can assume it's in zombie land because where would she be working? She looks like she's in a city, like her office is in a high rise. Exactly. And there were a million ways to dance around this. They could have just had her in scene and and strategically place her like a Muppet behind a table. Uh, Or they they did it with Lucille Ball because they didn't want to show her pregnancy until they wrote it into the show. Like there are just a million ways that you can strategically hide it. Even with the dance numbers, you could have had her shoot her from the waist up and uh, have a double in the wides. I mean, she's got green hair and and face paint on like there's no it, it could have been such an easy thing to address or even the quickest solve. Going back to the attention to detail. Coach now has a Froyo brick and mortar shop, not yeah. just a stand. You could have had her working there behind a counter the entire time. Boom, problem solved. But instead, you have her have an internship. How does she have that if they're not able to go to college? Right. Um, I think my bigger thing here is just Addison and Zed have the perfect relationship. And again, it is a trope. But it but it works because every high school we you can everybody who's ever graduated high school can name that couple that was the high school couple. Some of them work, some of them don't. But we've all seen it, so it becomes relatable. What I dislike most about this whole thing is that they've almost given up on their relationship if they don't get to the same college. Like there's no hope for them if they don't get to the same college. And they've done so much up to this point. To prove that their relationship can work and to, you know, break the barrier down between the normals and the monster world that it almost seems like they're so quick to quit on it. Like, frankly, uh, I think the the film that does it best with the high school relationship trope is American Pie. I think American Pie Mm. does it best and really delving into what that relationship turns into once you go to college and you know for Kevin it's heartbreaking so yeah like they and and Kevin's not a nice guy in that movie but yet at the end of the film you feel bad for him like they really did do a good job this it just seems like well this is our only chance and if if it doesn't happen then we quit it's over right that's the biggest cringe thing for me 
No, and there were a lot of different ways they could have gone about this too because, I mean, I guess it tracks with the first two films as far as where do zombies fit in in the real world. Okay, fine. But here's the other thing. This seems like Mountain College seems like the community college. Yeah, it seems Not like that it's there's, in the town. Yeah, it seems like it's like or a town over or something. Not that there's anything wrong with staying local, but I feel like every single character has defaulted to going to there. So you didn't even explore the possibility of what happens if Addison wants to go away to college. Uh, which would track because this whole thing is that she wants to figure out where she fits in. So what if she wants to get out of Seabrook? And that's where it becomes the problem for Zed because here's where you could have done it better. Mountain College is the local college. Right. They could have accepted zombies because they're a part of Seabrook or an extension of if it's if it's a next town. So Zed can go there. He's got a scholarship to go there. But now... Addison's thinking about what if and that's kind of tropey too because we've seen it happen before where one of the I mean I'm thinking more specifically about Corey and Topanga and I will always stand behind I think Topanga should have gone to Yale I don't think she should have given up everything for him I think that if they were truly meant to be it would have worked out no matter where she was and you she shouldn't have held herself back they had an entire show called Felicity on the WB where she followed a boy to New York to go to school. Like I'm never going to be a supporter of follow the boy or, or hold back your future for your partner. But um, just based on Addison's character and what we've seen, that would have been a natural progression for her because she's already questioning who she is. Now you want to see how that plays into who you're going to become and you want to spread your wings a little bit. It would have flowed so much better, especially because even though we learn about her family's history, I feel like there is no growth from here. And the way that she starts to question this relationship, it's like, yep, as long as, as you go to Mountain College, we're going to be together forever. But then by the time that they get to their duet, which we are going to break down when we do the songs, there's all these little asides of, oh, how am I going to tell him? Oh, do I, you know, this is a big conversation. A conversation about what? What, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Because you don't know that you're an alien yet. So it it just, I, I don't know. They're, they're not setting up enough here. No. Um, I want to go through two other really cringy moments in the open here. Because I feel like after the open, it actually, I, I think it's a very clean film. But the open is is clunky. And there's there's two things specifically that I want to bring up here. The first, we know that Zed is being recruited by Mountain College. They tell us off the rip. This is the entire motivation of the film. They need to go to college together or their relationship is doomed. The recruiter is there to watch him play. The recruiter introduces himself to Zed and his father prior to the shrimp getting on the bus. Now, he's in all of his Mountain College garb. He's got his clipboard and his pen. They recognize him as the recruiter. Which would imply that they're either super sleuths or they've met this guy before. 
or this guy is like the well-known college recruiter. If he's going to go and recruit Zed, you'd think he'd be like, Zed, hey, I'm Joe Blow from Mountain College here to, to watch you play tonight. I hope you put on a great performance. Let's talk after the game. Instead, it's, hi, I'm a recruiter from Mountain <laughs> College. It is like a six-year-old performed it and wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, a couple of things that I do like in this scene, though, um, I love how Willa is totally like anti-school spirit and they almost regress her to go back into like, nope, I'm protecting my pack. I want nothing to do with this. But the second Wyatt points out there's something in this for them, she dials up to 11. She is like leading this pep rally. It's hysterical. The only thing that outshines her is Bucky's classic entrance because he bursts through the banner that's supposed to be for the football team and it gives the same energy as Big Daddy. We wasted the good surprise on you. I love the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. But to your point with I'm the recruiter, I like, why are you at the pep rally? Why are you not just on the football field? Like, why do you think that this is the pro the appropriate setting for you to show up? Like, right. it's not like he busts into like the locker room or the party and sees Zed doing some sort of like, you know, ritual with the team that's off putting. This is their pep rally. You know, and it's not, there's no, the there's no alcohol. There's nothing going on. Like, why, why are you here? So if you're not there to bust him for doing something bad, like what, what are you doing? And if this was the arrangement, why is Addison's mother, the mayor, not welcoming him and setting up this introduction? Instead, it's Zed's father when it should be Zed. Like, do you remember? And I mean, I, I don't think, I, I think this is probably a very dated way of thinking now because people are out on TikTok asking for jobs and trying to get themselves discovered and recruited by their dream job and times have changed. But do you remember how you and I used to roll our eyes when we would be getting applications from parents for the internship program because they would send their kids resume in and we were like off the rip. No, no, we wouldn't even call them. No, Absolutely not. We wouldn't even entertain it if you couldn't take the initiative on your own. So like for me, that's what I took the most issue with was that it was Zed's dad doing the initial introductions and it wasn't Zed like stepping forth. Yeah. My other problem in the open and you just brought Bucky up. I'm glad that you did. This is a continuity error. The likes of which... I'm surprised, slipped through the cracks. He's clearly a super senior because he oh. was already the captain of the cheer squad, established cheer star and captain Addison's freshman year because the first film, the first scene with Addison is her saying, it's the first day of freshman year for me, me, me. And she wants to get on the cheer squad. Bucky's already there. So if Bucky is still in school, if they're graduating together, that means that she either skipped a grade, which they don't touch on, which would also imply that Zed would have to skip a grade, which they don't touch on. Well, they're going to be together forever, or so they, or, of course he skipped Or, or Bucky was left back. 
do do they confirm it even though it's Addison's freshman year? I mean, yes, we knew that Bucky was older than Addison because it's established that he's already on the cheer squad and she's auditioning for him. Was it confirmed though that he's a senior? Or or could it could you make the argument that he was a sophomore or junior when she gets to high school? I to me it reads more senior that he was running for school president because that's something that you have to work towards like your entire high school career. But the thing is, he could have been a sophomore her freshman year. The fact is, she's now a senior and he hasn't graduated yet. Because yes, he's still so the class either president. way, yes, you're right. And because he doesn't have a lot of FaceTime in this movie, you really could have made it that he was already in college. Right. But he's still, you know, oh, I came back for the big game for the, you know, look at me, look at me. Made it about himself. Which he always does anyway. So that wouldn't have been, it it would have been fine. Yeah. But let's move on from that. Um, And let's talk about the actual alien invasion itself. Um, This invasion, the practical effects, and for the most part, the special effects, very impressive. Particularly when, and this is something that sort of bothers me. I mean, it tracks with Addison's character that she wants to bring everybody together. And she's like, we don't know that they don't come in peace. We don't know anything about them. They might be friendly. Be that as it may, girl, it is raining fire. Like, get out of there. I appreciate, and, you know, we'll talk about this when we get to the song, because this is a whole song and dance number for the alien invasion. I give them props for writing to the fact that she doesn't want Zed to make the decision for her when he's like, come on, I'll get you to safety. And she's like, we don't know. I want to see what happens. But like cars are exploding around raining fire. You need to go. But to your point, yes, the effect when the ground breaks away from her is incredible. And I I tried to freeze frame it because I really couldn't tell if it was practical, if they were built on like a platform or if they CGI'd it. It was that good. Yeah. Um, When they say that they are there to get the most precious thing in Seabrook, though, knowing that she is part alien because they tell us as much at the end of the second film when her hair turns blue when the meteor strikes, I understand maybe like a seven-year-old's not going to understand but to, it was a dead giveaway. To me, she was the most precious thing. You figured that out off the rip. Yeah, even if they didn't say it in so many words that they were there or that, that she's the most precious thing, you know that they're there for Addison or, or you know that she's going to be the key that they need to unlocking this. What I love about these aliens too, because now the Z squad, they show up, they apprehend them and we see that they can just get themselves out of confinement at their leisure. Um, They're peaceful and they're literal. It reminds me of Galaxy Quest. The aliens in Galaxy Quest, what makes them so funny is that they're all, if Drax was peaceful, he'd be a part of the cast of Galaxy Quest. And I love the fact that they kind of do the same thing here, but it doesn't feel like a direct pull from that film. I would agree. Yeah, no. And I, I kind of love that we do get that with Drax. We get it with them. Like if this is what the modern day alien is, instead of making the invasion scary, I love how they play it to comedy when they're so literal. It's great. 
um, especially, you know, when they make a point of saying that they're disengaging the emotional suppressors. Um, I actually like that whole idea yeah. that their people are so harmonious that ultimately is what costs them everything. But part of what makes them harmonious is that they can read each other's minds and they do that by suppressing emotion. And I mean, that is such a, um, it, it, it's something that's so based in reality is, right. you know, in, in business and politics, they always try to tell you to take the emotion out of it. But like emotion is what gives you the humanity and you need that to make decisions. So I, I love that they wrote all of that in. The only thing that I bump on in this scene is that why are Bonzo and Zed in these interrogation rooms? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Because it's not just a holding room. It says interrogation room on the outside. Like they make it a point to have the camera locked on the door as it's closing and it fully says interrogation room on the sign. Why does a school have an interrogation room? Because we're back at school again. I don't think we're back at school. I thought we were at a police station. I thought we were at the police station and Zed and Bonzo just happened to be in there. Zed, who is still full pads, ready to play football, by the way. Right. I don't, but see, and, and this is where in the third film, they still have not figured it out that we're going to keep the story focused around Addison and Zed. So we need to keep everything in the school. But now we have the adults dipping their toes in. They bother to call out the Z squad. They are involving the police. And yet the mayor is not doing anything. And this goes back to being an issue with the kids because now the aliens decide that they're going to be in school. I wish that they had just kept the aliens out of school altogether because I feel like the only reason they did it was so that you could have this conflict with Zed falling from being third in the class and that they could help him with the application. Um, that's where this all sort of falls apart to me as well because how is Zed third in his class but he's not on top of his college applications? And if Addison is already accepted you would have had to apply. I mean, obviously the bigger issue standing in your way is that they need to admit monsters into college. But if she applied and got accepted, your application should already be in. But their their whole thing is that his only shot of getting in is the scholarship. Is the, is the, is the athletic scholarship. Now that all falls to hell when he decides he's going to go and try to get the academic scholarship. So to your point, yes, he should be on top of it but they've kind of painted themselves into a corner where he can't be on top of it because he needs the athletic scholarship, but then he can get the academic scholarship and it kind of throws the whole thing out of balance. I think the other thing that kind of throws this out of balance. Now I like Zed and the zombie or Zed and the aliens together. I think that it makes sense. I think that one hand washing the other makes a lot of sense. I think that the conflict at first is very funny, especially, um, you know, as as we start to see that he isn't at the top of not only academics, but also athletics because they have outer worldly abilities. They're they're not human. They're they're beyond human. Right. Um, they can fly on their own without doing the basket toss or whatever. Yes. But where they painted themselves into a corner as well by putting them in the school is if they are enrolled at Seabrook 
they are now students of Zebrook. If they are students of Zebrook, they cannot compete against their own school at the cheer-off. So their whole thing is that they, 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 they are there under the guise of, we've come to be a part of the cheer-off. We've brought our own team. So you can't be enrolled at the school and compete against your school. Right. And I thought that was the whole thing they were setting up in the beginning, too, because Addison calls it the national cheer off. It's not the school. So, OK, I'm, I'm actually glad we're hitting on this because this was something that confused me and I wasn't sure if it was just me and I missed something or this is really a problem with the writing. This competition that they're in, I don't think it is the same one, the same competition as it was in the first movie. This seemed like it was something that Addison organized and they were calling it the national cheer competition. So the implication is you're going to get people coming from everywhere, which they should have done was call it the international competition. And then it could have been like, oh, the aliens are here. Well, technically it's international. We can't exclude them. So let's have them compete. You could have still had them competing without writing them into the school. And it would have worked even better to your point, because now they're not competing against themselves. Yeah. But be that as it may, you have the aliens now are trying to find the beacon, right? They're trying to find the coordinates to Utopia. And what they do brilliantly is that the mother they write the mothership as a character. And they give them this teen angst relationship with her. I love it. It's perfect it's brilliant what they did with the mothership i wish we had gotten more of it yeah and we'll talk about the cast in a little while but it was funny it made sense i love the attitude that the mothership throws back at them all of that makes sense it's great it's absolutely great this is where like i sort of had my reservations with them choosing aliens as this third group in the sci-fi element but this is where it works. And it's like, because you're punching up the comedy so much, I'm like, okay, I can live with this. Yeah. And there's, when we talk about music, there's a callback and a tribute and a tip of the cap to a classic alien film that I absolutely love, that I think that most people, I think it's over their head. I don't even think they pick up on it. I didn't catch anything, so I'm very curious what you got. Yes. Um. So... There are times like that when it works, but with these mind probes, I I like the idea of the mind probe because what this film does well is you trust the aliens and then you don't, and then you trust the aliens and you don't. It's ultimately a decom, so they're not there for world domination, but you have a roller coaster between trusting them and not trusting them. So the mind probe in that case, it works, and as it, it exposes how Wyatt feels about um, Eliza, Eliza, which sort of comes out of nowhere because that's not at all developed. No, they were paired off dancing at the end of the uh, second one. All right. They sort of had all of your couple, like you had Brie and Bonzo. I mean, they are an established couple. Um, And then you had, um, I think Bucky was dancing with Willow, which they're not a couple, but... I sort of liked 
how they still put them at odds in this movie. Like where he go, there's that one line. I don't know if you caught it where he's like, should I call you Wacy? And yes. she looks like she'd rather yes. die. It it's was fantastic. I wish they would have leaned into the two of them a little bit more. Yeah. That could have been a lot of fun. I loved that line. Um, so you need all of that. And then obviously there's the payoff at the end when the aliens learn that conflict leads to solution. Resolution. But, right. Um, this just seems like there's one, like if you're going to use it as a mind probe, that's fine. But there are moments where they not only probe, but they erase memory. It's too much of men in black. Mm. It's too, because you've seen it. You see it twice in the film. Once with the Z patrol officer, when she goes to get her Froyo. And then again with Zed or uh, excuse me with uh, Bucky when he goes, what do we have here? What do uh, we have here? Because yes. he can't remember because yeah. he keeps looking at it. It serves well for the story because the werewolves see it and they know that something's fishy, but it's Men in Black. And th I find that to be problematic. I don't like... I. It's one thing when films tip their cap to other films in the genre. This is a direct pull. I wish that they would have just left it as a mind probe and perhaps in, like, if it were something that got explained that it's a mind probe... And it works faster than the speed of light, so we can probe you without even without you even realizing that we've done it. That makes sense. But the fact that it kind of like erases your memory, it's men in black. That is a very difficult balance to strike, though, with genre films in general, because you do have the classic staples that were established. So there are like rules to follow within that genre. Like, for example, to put oh, let's pull one from Back to the Future. Look at this. Now I'm going to do it. Um, but with time travel movies, you're not supposed to see yourself, right? That's not a real rule. Time travel doesn't exist yet. So we don't know that, but it's a guideline that every single time travel movie follows. I mean, they do it in Harry Potter. They do it in Avengers. You're not supposed to see yourself, although when the cap does, hilarity ensues, you know? So... With this, I agree with you. Like, yes, there are certain things that we know from alien movies, but you can acknowledge the rules that are in place of your predecessors without ripping them off. Yeah. But in this case, I'm not, I don't think that it does. I think it, that it's just too much of a, of a ripoff, personally. What I do think they do successfully is play with this idea of the emotion suppressors being shut down and now these aliens are learning what it's like to feel where you've got the one that experiences anger because she's stressed with carrying out their mission. I think that's really funny. And then you've got Aspen who starts to develop this crush on Zed. I think this could have been a lot more funny because you have Addison explaining what a crush is to Aspen at her own detriment because now it's revealed that it's Zed that Aspen has feelings for and then she's got a backpedal and it's like well you know it's great that you're having these feelings but but Zed is my boyfriend and then it gets thrown in her face with you have to possess the one that you care about like this whole scene is really really great what could have been better was that if Addison wasn't being so wishy-washy. Because again, 
they've set up the fact that if they don't go to college together, they're not going to be together. But it almost seems like that's what Addison wants. And we don't know why. But then in this moment, she tells Aspen that she loves Zed. And it really, it, it looks like it's dawning on her for the first time that she's actually in love, that it's not just like, oh, we're going to hold hands and kiss and dance together. Like that there are real feelings here. But then she doesn't like fight for her man either and be like, no, 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 no. You need to back off. I mean, I guess she realizes that there's no real threat to her relationship here and that college is the biggest one. But I feel like Addison is too much in a wishy-washy place where this could have actually been really, really funny if she was more grounded. I think the problem with the way that Addison is written is that she is super accepting all of the time with everybody, which is a nice trait. However... You can't have her be super accepting and then start to have conflict with them. Right, because they double down on it again when Addison gets beamed up to the ship. Zed is already there because he was helping them out. And Addison is completely unfazed by the fact that Aspen got him alone. In fact, she's like, oh, you know why? It's because they have feelings for you. And she just completely writes it off like and and that was fine to do in the cafe scene where it's like I'm secure in my relation and I actually respect that they wrote to that them being so secure in in their relationship that like Addison doesn't think that this is a big deal but mm, Aspen successfully got your man alone you should be a little bit more annoyed and instead it's be careful they're experiencing feelings for the first time be gentle it's okay. I, I don't have that much of a problem with it because Zed naively goes because he knows that he's helping them out find the Moonstone. They're helping him with the college application. And this is just how they've written Addison at this point. Oh, no. Zed's not doing anything wrong. That's not the implication here. But I'm like where's the fire in you? And instead that leans more towards you don't actually believe that you're going to end up together because you're, you're not fighting for your relationship now. Why are you going to fight for it if he can't get into college? Well, that's kind of been the fly in the ointment of the entire film. I need to see that fight from her because Zed's had it the entire time. Everything that Zed has done. Yes, it has helped out zombie kind, but that's because Eliza has pushed him to do it. Anything that he has done, and this is no different in three movies, it's all about him being with Addison. Like, geez, girl, meet him halfway. Right. All right, let's move on, though. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Because we, we could sit here and, and go round and round about this all day. But that, I mean, that is the biggest, that's the bugaboo of the film, is that they've put way too much in the, it's college or nothing. And if we don't get into college, this is not a real relationship because we can't be together forever. That's the biggest problem. Right. And she's just treating it as, well, whatever happens, happens. No. And the frustrating thing is that they legitimately love each other. You you see it. That's what I'm saying. Like, go to bat for him. Well, I, but All right. We'll, we'll come off of it. Enough we'll with Aspen. We're, we're get off of Aspen because Aspen's going to get off of Zed real quick, too. And we'll talk about that at the end because that kind of comes out of nowhere as well. Um, all right. But moving on. Uh we, we learn that, that Addison is now uh, part alien, right? And, and this is where perhaps my stance on Addison is very soft. Because we, we find that she's part alien. 
And Addison has been so accepting of everyone and trusting of everyone. It's what makes her a very endearing character for the entire series, right? Sometimes to her detriment. Because she can be easily led. Oh, I think I'm a werewolf. Oh, I think I'm an alien. Except this time she is. And she still doesn't fit in. They tell her, you, you don't harness the powers. You're not truly one of us. So she finally finds who she actually is. And even in that moment is told, well, no. I actually like that. Oh, I think it's great. That it wasn't just like, because. The... I, I think it's great for, for us to feel something for her. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it works very well. It's Well, I mean, it is sort of a retread of when she put on the moonstone and nothing happened. And it was like, I found my pack. I'm going to give everything to you. Oh, wait, I'm not actually one of you. Here, she is actually one of them, but not completely. Here's my bigger question, though. Do you think that they rewrote Seabrook history as far as the grandma for this storyline, or do you think this was the end game the entire time? Because they had to know in Zombies 2 where this was all going. So at least Zombies 2. Yeah, I think this was the end game the whole time. Even from the, well, arguably, you don't know how the first movie is going to perform. You had no idea it was going to be this wildly successful. So maybe you didn't know then that you were doing three. Maybe you didn't have that end game in mind. But, um, I guess that's the question is, does this feel forced to fit it in or, or this was where they were taking her character from the jump? I don't think that that's what their plan was when they wrote the first film. However, I think that they very seamlessly incorporated it in to the next two films because, uh, we never meet her grandmother, but we didn't have to meet her grandmother. Everybody's had grandparents. That's. That's how nature works, okay? <laughs> so that's fine. Um, I actually think that it lent very well to the Stepford, utopic, vanilla, cookie-cutter community that they lived in because her grandmother helped set roots in this town. And 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 I think that she she built this town in her image, that she you know, she made it what she wanted it to be, and I think that she had a big hand in that would also explain why Addison's mother is the mayor. There's obviously a lineage there. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to delve that much into it because I think it was a very clean start and you could build on that. Um, I took issue with the Moonstone and the werewolves because that's a major part of history that we should have known that there were already established monsters in that town that had already unleashed an attack previously. This I don't think you needed to to go that in depth with and i and i don't think that it seems like the history was rewritten well i think where they could have gone in depth with it was if addison's grandmother had more of a hand on keeping the werewolves out although it seemed like that happened even before addison's grandmother's time but i feel like that would have made for a really interesting conflict especially because later on Willa calls Addison a traitor for trying to get the cup to the aliens. So wouldn't that have been more interesting if Addison's whole family history, you know, one minute she's thinking she's part of the pack and the next minute her grandmother did something horrible to people that she has come uh, to, to recognize as her chosen family. What they did do really well 
where they wrote to she doesn't automatically have powers once she's alien is now you've got Zed's big college interview, which she's going to be present for because as they put it, she's already got in. Forget the fact that it's his girlfriend and that she's had just as much of a hand in changing the rules in Seabrook as Zed has. Right. And she would have backed him up. The powers are coming through. It's tripping the Z band every time that she touches him and she's trying to comfort him. The more she's trying to comfort him, the more she touches him and it, it sets him he off. starts the zombie out. This entire scene is brilliant. It is such a great conflict build. It's a great visual for what's happening in their relationship. And it's such a great foil for Zed in his big moment. The person he loves, the person that he's doing this all for is his foil. That is great screenwriting. Yeah, it was really well done. Um, the alien payoff, when when we do realize that Addison is the alien or is part alien, when we see that she changes her clothes, she can kind of just do it on command, and then her mother pulls the wig off and exposes who she really is, does all of this work? Was it worth the build? I feel like it all starts to happen very fast, which has been um, consistent throughout all three films is that you get that third act. There's a lot of rush, rush, rush to get to the finish line. Um, what I do like is the zombie werewolf showdown where now there's a, a clearly divided line. They're trying to help Addison help the aliens the werewolves think that she's a traitor. Yes. I love this showdown at the competition. I think that that's really well done. Um, but I think Addison makes the decision to leave far too quickly. I mean, we know she's going to help them. That's just in her nature. She brings people together. But the focus is entirely on her and Zed's relationship at this point. There's not nearly enough time spent that the mother hid this from her and, and how that affects their family dynamic. And the dad's just like, well, we're a family no matter what, because he has no lines and he is yeah. just a useless character. Like you should be pissed. We should be seeing some kind of emotion from you. He's got less emotion than the aliens do at this point, but he's her lap dog. We know this. Right. He's so, the most useless character in the franchise. It's terrible. So it would have been more interesting to see that play out, not just from the family dynamic, but now you've got a mayor who enforced rules of keeping zombies separate for all these years. When you were alien yourself, yes. we don't touch that at all. And that would have been really interesting. And even just at the most basic trope of Addison, you need to finish and, and graduate high school before you run off and make your own decisions we don't get that conversation at all. It's just about, oh, it's not, in fact, college that's going to tear us apart. It's that I'm going to go to outer space. And this is where the entire thing collapses for me. And this is really minutia. But what bothers me more than anything else is that poor Wyatt has been trying to tell Eliza the entire time how he feels. And it gets taken away from him. And she's like, I like you. Like, let him have it. Come on. I don't care about that at all. Because I don't even consider that an integral part of the film. Because other than the two of them saying I like you, there's no payoff on it. 
Well, that I guess that's it because I'm so invested because I like both characters so much. I wanted them to have their moment as well. And they should have just left it alone because you opted not to put her in scenes because the actress was pregnant. I also don't mind the idea that Addison so quickly jumps on the ship to leave and go to outer space. I actually like that for her. And I'll tell you why. Because she has spent three films trying to fit in. And at every turn has been told you don't fit in. Including with the aliens. But she is so selfless. And she does everything on behalf of other people. That in spite of the fact that at times they're not fighting enough for their relationship. Because as we've said at nauseum they don't go to college, relationship is over. You can tell that this was not an easy decision for her to make, but it was the only choice that she had. She had to make a hasty decision because they don't have a home. If this entire alien race does not have a home, she is the only means that they will get to their home. She is left with no choice and she knows it. And she makes the immediate decision that this is what I have to do. I will agree with you that it's a no-brainer, but here's where I'm going to disagree. I don't feel like Addison has spent three films trying to trying to fit in. I agree with that for Zombies 2. I agree with it for this one. Where the disconnect is, is that in the first one, she wanted to fit in and hide who she was by hiding behind Cheer. She embraced who she was and she's still with cheer. And in the second one, they sort of cast her out. So she hasn't had cheer the entire time. I feel like what we would have needed to do was get her off the squad. If she really felt that lost and didn't know who she was, if she had that moment of this isn't doing it for me either, this is never who I was meant to be, I think I'd buy that more. Because she sort of did it in Zombies 2 when she joined up with the werewolves and she had her new look and she wasn't wearing her uniform. And she even said as much, maybe maybe I'm not one of you. You needed to carry that all the way through. But then what do you do with her now? So they, they kind of wrote themselves into a corner. But like, yeah, I agree that it that it is in her nature where this was a no-brainer and of course she's going to help them. But what I like that it ultimately happens is that it takes all three groups to power this ship uh to help them and that you had uh equal input from the zombies and the werewolves. The anti-happy happy ending fake out killed me the first time we watched this. It absolutely killed me. You mean you bought the fake out? Not only did I buy the fake out, but it emotionally killed me. I would agree because I was like, where is this going? Are they actually not going to end up together? Like when when the two of them say goodbye, I'll admit it. I had a lump in my throat. And that's where it's like, all right, for as hasty as the decision was, for as much as she didn't involve her parents, for as much as we have no answers as to whether this is permanent or not, 
like because that was the other thing that kind of gets lost i thought that she was going to have to come back with the moonstone at some point so i was like this isn't goodbye forever and they're just playing to the extreme because it's a high school movie but um regardless of any of that like i bought these two sold it and it made me sad incredibly well written through better acted through three films incredibly well written and and the the performance was unbelievable there was honestly i was doing so many deep dives to find out if they were together in real life the way that these two sold the breakup no they're not it's amazing for for kids that young to be able to handle those feelings that deep and and sell the relationship that much it was super impressive and what's even more impressive we didn't even talk about this the two of them got co-producer credit I was so freaking impressed by that that for for as much as I'm being nitpicky about story points here like that's impressive as hell that they at their age they're getting producer credit and that they contributed that much to these characters in this story that uh you know and to the franchise as a whole I I was wowed by that I'm telling you right now the two of them they're the next big thing watch out because they're coming the two of them are coming She'd be incredible. Flynn and, Flynn and Punzi. They'd be great. I would love that. Bring the smolder. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's let's get to the end of the of the movie here. Um, I love the fact that they call out the idea that we need conflict and that you need differences and you need different ideas and, yes. and different strategies. And resolution does come from conflict, and you need conflict. However, I'm a little fed up with Hollywood in general. They all say the same thing. We need different ideas. We need different people. We can all learn from each other. But no one in Hollywood actually practices what they preach. Nobody in the world actually, very few I should say, practice what they preach. You all claim to love these kinds of stories. And yet, at the same time, it's my way or the highway. They all do it. They don't write that into stories. And when they do, usually that person ends up being the fool who has a coming-of-age moment and a full character arc. But it's so funny to me that they all write to this and yet none of them actually practice it. I mean, I do appreciate that they put a message that's that deep in a decom. Oh, yeah. But I'd like to see... I'd like to see us... As a society, Hollywood specifically, why don't we start practicing this instead of just casting out those who aren't like-minded? That was something like, like I threw my hands up and said, this makes sense, but you know, none of you actually practice this. And it just, it, I don't know, it kind of like as, as well-written as it was, like it kind of ticked me off, not even a little bit. It kind of drove me crazy. But again, I do appreciate that they did... Because I, I really thought that that was kind of a gutsy move to inject the message of how dangerous the hive mind can be. Oh, yeah. It's not something you see a lot. So, so I applaud them for putting it in a decom of all things. So the film ends. We all get our happy ending. The aliens come back. They're planting roots in uh, Seabrook. Now, here's the thing with Aspen, right? Because Aspen now at the end of the film seemingly ends up with Willa. 
not overtly see that's but the thing. where did any of this come from and they'll why? they'll put a strong message in a decom but they won't actually show an lgbt relationship no well, no i don't think that that's true I, I think that you're seeing more and more of that in disney films it's become such a hot button topic i mean strange world right you're starting to see it my my question is where did it come from because you're in love with Zed out of nowhere. Now you're in love with Willa also out of nowhere. Like, the, you didn't build to this at all. They did a little bit. There were a couple of moments where they had exchanged glances. Um, they did also write Aspen with pronouns, um, it, which were sometimes hard to catch, but they do call Aspen they. Um, so they were writing to it the entire time. And I actually think it works because... They had the emotional suppressants and they decided to leave them off. They say as much. So now these are teenagers that are experiencing feelings for the first time. They've got hormones. Like I totally buy that Aspen is going to have a crush on one person the second and and another person the next. It's it's part of the teenage experience is you're flighty. Um, but as far as singling Willa out... There were maybe two exchanged glances, but not enough moments where they were alone or not enough dialogue exchanged where this really makes sense to follow through on it all the way. Yeah, I just want to see it fleshed out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue. I have no problem that they wrote to it in that way. And they did cover their bases as far as planting the seeds of, you know, Aspen is understanding human emotion for the first time. This is all part of it. But yeah, it was just that we needed like one more, not even a scene between them, like just some sort of exchange. Right. Because the the reality of it is, you're right. She's experiencing hormones for the first time, feelings for the first time. And if, you know, if she's into the male character and into the female character, like I don't have any problem with that. But... You don't see. You don't see it. It's just. It's. It's all happening too quick. Seemingly unmotivated. What would have been really, really funny is if Aspen somehow had a crush on the entire cast throughout the whole thing. Right. And it was just you know Bucky said one word to her and she had a crush on Bucky, or Lacey said something to them, then they've got a crush on Lacey. Like it would have been actually really funny to lean into that whole teen hormone thing a little bit more. And this is what Aspen is experiencing the first time being on Earth. Speaking of Aspen, I think this is a good opportunity to bring up our cast, specifically our new characters. And we'll start with Aspen, played by Terry Hu. Um, she was very funny. Um, the moments where she is feeling these emotions for the first time and jumping to conclusions. I think she unintentionally nailed the comedy of it. I just wish that for all of the reasons I mentioned earlier, that we would have just seen some of that development drawn out a little bit further. So none of it felt that rushed. I would agree. I think a lot of the comedy came from experiencing emotions for the first time, but I feel like for Aspen specifically, and I think it has to do with the performance more than anything else, the real comedy came from before the emotional suppressors were turned off when she had to be literal. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we have uh, Kira Tantau playing Allie. She, like, just completely emotionally distressed all of the time the minute that that 
that that depressant is turned off. And just to see her go from zero to 60 is outstanding. I'd love to be stuck in traffic with her. <laughs> no, she handled it really well. I thought of the three aliens, she was the funniest. And the standout moments to me were when they would all talk in unison, but she would be the odd one out and she would say what she was really thinking while the other two were trying to downplay and still keep everything harmonious. She would say, oh, we're going to evaporate them. Right. And and have an oops. Was that out loud moment? It was it was good. It was really well done. Matt Cornett plays Alan. He was very funny as well. Um, in the moments where he does not realizing, where he does not realize that he is upsetting Zed um, by being very literal, um, I thought that those moments worked, um, and I thought that his very um, literal deadpan response to mainly anything that was said to him really put the character over. The dry delivery of everything was perfect. I wish we had more of those moments with Zed where. You know, because we've talked a lot about um, Aspen and Addison, how much Aspen is learning from Addison. But really, Alan learned just as much from Zed about what competition is. But I don't think it gets recognized enough that Alan thinks that they are a superior superior race. It's never said overtly, but some of the things that he says to Zed clearly display that they know they are superior yes. in physicality, in technology, in everything. And these subtle digs are very, very funny, but they're too hard to catch. I wish they hadn't buried them so much. I wish it was a little bit more overt. Yeah, the uh, unintentional insults. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the music, starting with our opening. Oh, wait, no, I have one more. I'm sorry. Uh, I almost jumped the mothership. The mothership. RuPaul. Immediately recognized the voice and I was like, why do I know it? Why do I know it? And then finally it clicked that it was RuPaul. That's such a great cameo. It was it was I a great cameo. It. it was great casting. Yeah. Uh, RuPaul was really, really funny and, and nailed sort of that persona that we had talked about earlier with, you know, a mother dealing with a rebellious teen. Uh, but let's talk about the first uh, the first vision of the mothership when we have our alien invasion first song on the soundtrack. Um, I think that it's a I think it's a good number. There are certain things in it that I really like. There are certain things in it that I could I could do without. I thought that the lyrics were interesting. I felt like they kind of played both sides of what we deal with as a society now because if a you know if if a if a car accident happens there are more people taking out their phones to record it than there are trying to get involved to help or if there's a natural disaster instead of running from it your initial reaction is let me take my phone out yes and they touch on that which i thought was really well done um as an all-around number i think it's very good I don't think it's the best song in the film by any stretch of the imagination. Um, in fact, the first time I saw the movie, the first time we watched it, I really didn't care for it at all because I thought it was too heavy handed. I thought it was way too literal. It wasn't until the second time that I softened on it. But my favorite part about it is that when Bonzo plays his horn 
and the ship responds and that yes. becomes sort of a through line through the entire song that is so clearly a tribute to close encounters of the third kind and no kid watching this movie now is going to even know what close encounters of the third kind is it's one of the best alien films of all time and i am so glad that they found a way to pay a tribute to it here I didn't catch that at all. And see, that's a nice tribute versus feeling like we were talking about it ripped off Men in Black. That's a nice, subtle tribute. We didn't get to talk about that either. I love Bonzo playing the sousaphone because he does it in Zombies 2. And no, I realize it's not an actual sousaphone. I'm calling it a sousaphone because it looks like something that Dr. Seuss did draw or conceptualize. Um, But I love that they carried that through into this film. I really like this number as Walt a whole. Walt playing his sousaphone too, apparently. <laughs> but go go he ahead. I'm so- he got two toys out of the box for the price of one. Double prizes. Were, Double were, prizes, uh, Zed. Together. Um, yeah, I really like this number as a whole. Um, I think it's well done. Is it the best song? No, I agree with you. I think that there are better songs with better dancing, but I really did like the lyrics here not just for the social commentary and not just for the social commentary on the phones but also the opposing ideas of are they friendly should we be accepting do we automatically have our guard up um so i thought it was really cleverly done and i love that we get every single pov from every single major cast member because there's a check-in with every single one of them everybody has a line And I love the triplets that they break into. Like, obviously, you have the ACs. That's a given. But you have Bucky off with the werewolves. You have Bonzo and Bree with, um, I think it's um, Winter. Yes. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I like these different combinations of cast members that we haven't seen interact yet. So I like that. They, but they're all together. They need to be a unit because they don't know what they're up against. And I think it's also important to mention the choreography too, because you've managed to differentiate. I mean, cheer is going to be what it is. It has to resemble actual cheerleading choreography, but you have the zombies, the werewolves and the aliens. And stylistically, each one of those groups has their own type of dancing that's very clearly recognizable yes ain't no doubt about it earworm (laughs) earworm but the best part about it is the the brilliant quote-unquote certainty where they're speaking in absolutes we're gonna be fine right and they break the fourth wall this this franchise has broken the fourth wall so successfully throughout the entire series this is where i think it's the best though this song this dance number and the two of them are so cute. Um, I really like this number. The only issue that I have are Addison's lyrics when she breaks the fourth wall because she says something about having to have a conversation with Zed. And I had mentioned this before a conversation about what, or, or she says something about revealing the truth. She doesn't know that she's an alien yet. Right. So, that's the only thing. I, I think that they should have 
I, I mean, it works as far as what we talked about, that this whole thing is built upon. It's never going to work if we don't go to the same college. But she seems to be questioning a lot more than just what happens if we don't make it into the same college. And it doesn't make sense yet. It's too early now. Um, but otherwise, I love the whole number. It's adorable. And I can say the same thing about come on out. Yes. The, like, there's not much to say other than as a complete package, music to lyrics to performance to choreography, it's all around just a really great, great number. I think besides uh, Milo and Meg, the werewolves are probably the best dancers. I loved this whole number, um, especially because it, it definitely kind of has thriller vibes. And I feel like that was intentional because there's a lot of long takes um, the way that they're moving through the streets, uh, obviously the dancing on top of the car. I wish we had seen more of that. Oh, speaking of dancing on top of things, we didn't even mention and ain't no doubt about it. The stunt work that they did on those teeter totters. Oh my God. It was so good. And that's, that's them. Like there's no yeah. doubles. Like, like they did that. That was very impressive. But I like that they, they let the cast really go for it in both numbers where they weren't afraid to put them on top of a car. Yeah. Or, or, you know, pull out some of the trick shots with them. And and to touch on something you just said about Thriller, um, you get Thriller vibes in a handful of uh, musical numbers throughout this entire series. However, never once does it feel like it pulled from, from Thriller as a rip. And I think that they were very smart to do that. And it all feels original. I think they were careful not to because it would have been so easy to do it especially with the zombie choreography because thriller is such a staccato kind of dance like they are very stiff they are yeah. the draggy foot i mean they say it in the first zombies the draggy foot there is sort of that type of movement so i think that they were careful to steer away from that are you ready to talk about the best song in the franchise i've, I've been ready i've been so ready so this is how much my opinion has changed from my second viewing when I wrote these notes to today. In my original notes, I had best in the film, which it is, second best in the franchise. It's not the second best in the franchise. To me, Someday was the best song of the franchise, but as the days have gone on, Exceptional Zed has pulled ahead. It's, it's very close. I have nothing else to say except that I think this is the best song in the series. It's become one of my top three favorite DCOM songs and has slowly risen the ranks into one of my favorite Disney songs of all time. If we re-recorded our top 10, would I have put it in the top 10? Not likely, but it would have been an honorable mention. Wow, in in your top 10, not even on the 100 list, in your personal top 10. It would not have made the top 10. It would have it would have it would have been an honorable mention. Got it. But got you it, can figure it. then safely assume it's in the top 15. Wow. See, the only reason it's that that stops it from being like a top top song for me. I mean, it's a straight bop. There's no question about it. Um and the lyrics are great, but the lyrics are so specific to the film because 
he mentions being a zombie. It's not one of those songs that can transcend or has a message that can transcend the film that it's in. However, that does not take away from how good it is or how much I enjoy it. Um, the lyrics are so great. Not just because they're catchy, but I feel like this was the only song to successfully really get into our character's head and show exactly what they are feeling. Because we talked about the how the placement of, um, what was it, I stand or stand up, when Addison pulls her wig off in the first yes. one. yeah. I had said that that wig pulling moment should have been when she delivered the monologue and the song was just like overstating what was already happening. And, and the song should have been earlier so that we could have gotten inside of her mind and known what she was feeling before she did it here. We finally get from Zed how stressed out he actually is about the weight that has been put on him by his people. Right. Because every time Eliza brings it up, like, or, or she pushes him to do more and be more, it's always been, this is about being able to take Addison out on a normal date. This is about being able to take Addison to prawn. This is about Addison and I being together forever so that we can go to college together. It always comes back to her, even though Zed is acting in the interest of the bigger picture. Right. We never see how stressful that actually is until now. And he is down on himself. And I love how this song is about building himself back up. So I think the the character arc within the song is brilliant. Um, but not just for him. That second verse where they're walking through town and you've got everyone popping in, telling him how much he's changed their lives, specifically coach. And now mom says, I live in his basement. Yeah. I died. I like fell off the couch laughing. I thought that that was so funny even to have Bucky pop in and, and acknowledge that he has been changed, whether yes. he likes it or not. Yes. Um, it's just such a brilliant song that encompasses everything, even though it is Zed-centric. I love the parade at the end, how they've got this rickety float of Zed. Um, and I love Milo Mannheim in it. I think the the singing is incredible and the dancing is even better. Yeah, I, This I, kid is so stupid talented. It's I ridiculous. Said it, I said it earlier in the episode. The two of them are the next big thing. I really do believe that. I'm an, I'm fully invested in both of them now. Yeah. So like I'm I'm excited to see what comes next. In fact, it did come up under uh, recommended viewing or suggested viewing that he did another decom. The prom one. Yeah, which is like an '80s prom movie. Yeah, um, we'll watch it. I'm fully invested. Like I I want to watch it. Like I'm fully committed to watching this, if for nothing else, strictly for him. Down the rabbit hole I go. I'm finally me. This is Addison's moment, and you know what? They paid off. This was so worth the build over the course of three movies to get her to this moment and to get her to this song. I really do like this one a lot. I actually couldn't disagree more. I mean, I like the way that she sings it. The performance is fine. It's nothing to do with Meg Donnelly and everything to do with Addison is saying all the things, but I don't feel like she's done anything to support this. Like, yes, she's questioned who she is, but this is what I was talking about before where 
she's still a cheerleader. She never shirked that part of her identity. And that's where it feels like there's a disconnect because it's not like she gave up one to try something else. The cheerleading has been the through line. And I think that you needed to take that away and leave it in the first movie. I think this needed to be Addison trying cheerleading in the first movie, realizing she doesn't fit in there at all. Then in the second one, she tries being part of the pack, doesn't really fit in, even though they accept her. And now in the third one, she finds out who she truly is because she still had cheerleader as a major part of her identity. I don't buy her feeling completely lost and unaccepted. Yes, she's still different, but she's not unaccepted. Right. You get a someday reprise. Um, I loved this. It was really well done. It was it was in the right spot. Slowed it down. I thought that it was all in all. I thought it was a great commentary on the franchise. The way that they pulled it off. I love for the franchise that every cast member had their moment. And they all got to sing, but it also really drove home the emotion that we're still trying to come off of, of breaking these two apart. And now he's going to sing their song, but she's not there to sing with him. And I thought it was just going to be Zed and Zoe, who we've hardly talked about at all, but she's still, she's still a standout. She's so cute. Uh, And I love how she's grown with the franchise, but, um, I thought it was going to be just the two of them. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird if he's singing this with his sister. But as soon as they started bringing in the other cast, I was like, oh, this is really great. And I, lo- I loved the arrangement. I love that it's almost acoustic. Yeah. Nothing But Love is the final song in the film. Um, it's just all it, it's not just a good conclusion for the film. I thought that this was a good conclusion for the franchise as a whole. Um, it's a very good song. It's It's not great. But it doesn't have to be. It's just very good. I know how you feel about end credit songs and you hate them. But this almost felt like one of those more than a finale number. It felt more like everyone let their guard down and they were able to have a little bit more fun with this. Like I'm I'm wondering if this was either a one take and they just got what they got or if it was. All right, guys, this is the last shot. When this, they call the this rap. This is the martini, like, we're going to, you know, last one, do it, have fun with it, do whatever you want. Because it really felt like the fourth wall was broken a little bit more and we were watching the actors and the cast more so than characters. And in an authentic way, whereas in yeah. High School Musical 3, Oof. it was really bad. Yeah. Um, final thoughts on Zombies 3? I mean, I'm I'm going to go first because I don't have an awful lot to say. This is a really good movie. In spite of some of its warts, in spite of some t- moments where I, I feel like the timeline gets played with and broken a little too much in times where things seem rushed and underdeveloped, I still think that overall it's a good movie. I think that it's probably the second best soundtrack of the three films, and and the first one just narrowly takes it. Um, but I think that they left all of these characters in a good place. I think they all had proper character arcs. This is the best decom series that's ever been done. Like, don't at me because you're going to lose. <laughs> High School Musical fell to crap after the first film. Halloween Town fell to crap after the first film. Teen Beach was fine until the last ten minutes of, of the second film. Like, this is, and, and Descendants was fine. I, I just couldn't really get into Descendants. It was okay. I said it then, and I'll say it again. I think that we were just a little too old 
for Descendants when we watched it the first time. But this has universal appeal. It's the best decom series, and 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 it's you can't even fight me on it. Like I, I am, I'm glad that they stopped it at three. I think if you tried to force a fourth movie, it would probably feel forced and not be all that great. But th- this, from top to bottom, has so much rewatchability; it's ridiculous. Well, I believe that they did do a fourth one, like they did with Descendants. It's just animated. It's not the right. same. You know, it's not like an exact continuation of this. Um, here's the thing. The third one is probably my least favorite film in this franchise. The first time I watched it, admittedly, I was like, and here it is. This is fully what I was expecting of a decom as far as trying to shoehorn things in for the sake of the musical numbers. So the first time around, I didn't really like it. The second time, I definitely appreciated it more for what it was, but I think I still would have preferred as far as all of the sci-fi elements go if they had done vampires instead of aliens. I mean, I'm not a Twilight fan, so that's not where my stake in this comes from, but I just feel like because the werewolves were there already in Seabrook and... In the second one, they kick it off with saying, all right, well, there's more to the story. There's more layers to this. There's more history. Because they bothered to do it that way, I would have preferred vampires and taking that history back even more. And then you've got Addison really rooted in this town instead of her grandma just happened to come here and it makes it feel so messy with her mother and because the mother hasn't been involved enough and, and she's got no stakes even this, even though she really should. Um, I feel like it would have been a lot cleaner that way. And it also wouldn't have felt so far. Fa- I mean, we're watching a movie about, you know, zombies for crying out loud, but because the zombie accident, they're not undead. The zombie accident was rooted in chemicals and now the werewolves are there because of the moonstone. If the vampires were also there, but they took out the blood sucking element and made it more just, you know, rooted it in the people. I feel like it would have felt a lot more real than just this alien invasion, but then we wouldn't get RuPaul. And there are enough things that I do enjoy about this film where I'm not writing it off as the third sequel that I'm never going to watch again and I'll only watch the first two because then I wouldn't be able to revisit Exceptional Zed and that will always keep me coming back as far as my thoughts on the franchise as a whole um, feelings about the third one aside I think it's great Um, Teen Beach is probably still my favorite but this is a very close second I think this is significantly better than Descendants. I think Descendants is really fun, but I think it goes off the rails way too much just for the sake of uh, playing off of these storybook settings and forcing in characters that we know. It feels very forced a lot of the time. And 
this music and this dancing is way, way better. Um, so I really enjoy this. I'm glad that we finally got to tackle this one. We are interested in knowing what you have to say, not only about Zombies 3, but Zombies as a series. You can let us know on X Instagram and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. We already gave you that social media, X, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, threads at Monoreal Radio. Of course, we always love to hear from you and hear your feedback. Monorealradio at gmail.com is the email address. And for links to everything related to the show, it is going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.